John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Uh, I'm going to read it to you. I have the New Living Translation. Follow me in any translation you are studying God's Word from that He has led you to study from. But reading uh, the Gospel according to St. John chapter 11, I'm going to read verses 1 through 44. Just read the entire story. It will not take us very long. Reading to you, I have the New Living Translation. The raising of Lazarus. Uh, the man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This was the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus, he stayed where he was at for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But the disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you and you were going there again. That sounds familiar. Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is a danger of stumbling because they have no sight. If you want to know why I made that statement, that sounds familiar. You can get on our media and our website and go back and listen to last Sunday's message and you'll understand where I was coming from with that. Verse 11, then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen to sleep. But I now, but now I go and awake him. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come on, let's go see him. Thomas, nicknamed the twins, said to his fellow disciples, let's go too and die with Jesus. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming. She went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been there, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him, I always believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she turned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha had met him. When the people who were at the house, consoling Mary, saw her leaving so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep, so they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him? But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha 
the dead man's sister protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, I thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they would believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Can you say amen to the reading of God's word? I want to just preach to you on this thought this morning Late, early, or on time Late, early, or on time Uh, We're going to go back to John chapter 11 We're going to go back to verses 3 through 6 John chapter 11 verses 3 through 6 So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him Lord, your dear friend is very sick But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of Man will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was at for the next two days. Uh, One of the first things, and I just want to sow this quick little seed to you, is God doesn't always respond to our message like we think he should. You know, uh, when we get on our knees or, or we send a request to God, we think he needs, boom, come running. And it just simply doesn't happen like that all the time. Uh, sometimes in our eyes, it, it, it may look like he's late. Sometimes it may look like he's early. Sometimes it may look like he's right on time. Uh, but understand that the Lord does not respond to our request like we think that he should all the time. It's very clear when they sent this message to Jesus, I'm sure that they thought that the Lord would drop everything that he was doing, everything that he was about, and come running quickly. And why did they think that? Because he loved them. Uh, If you notice, it says that this dear friend of yours, in some translations it says, this one that you love. And we see very clearly here in the text verses that we picked out uh, that God loved. It says, so although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was at for two more days. So what I want, to, and, and I, I totally understand love, and, and man, I, I love uh, Corinthians 13. I, I, I love that chapter of love, and I, I totally understand that God is love. Uh, we read that in, in, in John's epistles uh, uh, there, that God is love. So we know that he loves with his entire self. Uh, God only knows one way to love. That's with his entire self. And uh, so... And I've made this statement several times. God loves you just the way you are. But he loves you too much to leave you there. God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. And I've also made this statement that God will never love you any more than he loves you right now. God will never love you any more than he loves you right now. He never will. Because, see... His love for us is not conditional 
on what we do, what we say, and what we think. See, in yet, in while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. When you was as filthy as you could ever be in the deepest part of sin that you ever were, Christ demonstrated his love in dying for you. See, God is love. It's his love for us is not conditional upon our response to him. Now, what you do with God's love is a very, very important decision that you make in life. But we're talking about God's love for us right now. We're not talking about our love for God and how we respond back to his love. Now, in looking into the text this morning, uh, I believe that we see something very interesting concerning God's love. And uh, that is a love that's multiple in its dimension. It's multiple in its dimension. You see, there's one dimensional point of view that never sees the fullness of God. See, when we get one-dimensional in our view, we never see the fullness of God's love that he has towards us. And and I'm going to make that a little more clear. In in verses 3 through 6, we see, as I've already stated, there is no doubt that God loves these three peoples. Would everybody agree with that? These three people, God loves them. Loves them dearly. I mean, they are friends of his. You, you, you see that. It, it, you know, when they sent the message, it says, Lord, this dear friend, this one that you love is sick. Now, the love is there. Now, this is an emotional side of love that deals with feelings. It's an emotional side of love that deals with feelings. But there is a purpose purposeful side of God's love that overpowers the emotional side. There is a purposeful side, a dimension of God's love that overpowers the emotional side of God's love because this purposeful side is dealing with destiny and not feeling. This purposeful side of God's love for you is dealing with your destiny and not his feeling towards you or not your feeling towards him. Mm -mm 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 -mm. You see, the purposeful love will allow your, will allow what you're emotionally connected with to die. The emotional or the purposeful side of God's love will take your emotional side and what it's connected to and will let it die so that you can connect with your destiny. Mm. That's liberating. Emotional love values reaction time. If my wife tells me she loves me, I've got a few seconds to respond back to her. Man, you missed a golden opportunity to amen me right there. The emotional love values reaction time, but purposeful love values eternity. Mm, somebody ought to shout right there. 
emotional time values or emotional love values reaction time. But purposeful love values eternity. God's more concerned about where you're going to spend the eternity instead of how you're feeling right now at this moment. God's emotional love will make your heart skip a beat while his purposeful love will transform it. God's love is trying to take us somewhere this morning, church. We must understand that God never stops loving us. He's continually loving us. He is love. I want us to quickly look at John 11, verses 21, 27, and 32. John 11, 21, 27, and 32. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, If only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then 32, but some said this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? God's friends, God's friends are emotionally and mentally exhausted with what he should, could, or would have done that they aren't spiritually ready for what he's going to do. They are so emotionally and physically exhausted by what they think God could have done or what they think God should have done or what God would have done that they're not spiritually ready for what God's going to do. What a picture of so many today in the church. Mm. Our focus, church, must shift from what we thought God was going to do to what He is doing. You see, we're, the church itself is we are wasting. We're wasting ourselves in dam building. With our ideas, our opinions, and our philosophies. When we should be getting swept away with the flow of his truth. Where would we be today? Where would you be today? Where would I be today if I had not wasted myself emotionally and physically and mentally on what I thought God should have done, on what I thought God could have done, or on what I thought God would do? How many times have I spiritually missed by building a dam with my ideas, opinions, and philosophies? Where would I be in his truth? Where would this church be? Where would our ministry be? Where would our gifts and talents be? Let us operate in what God knows and not what we think. 
Let us operate in what God knows, His Word, and not what we think. Amen? I'm trying to get through this as quick as I can and give you these nuggets of truth that they can absolutely just liberate some things in your life. The next thing we want to look at at verse 39, roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. Verse 41, so they rolled the stone aside. Verse 43, then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And verse 44, and the dead man came out. Let's look at that again. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. Our obedience to the instruction of the word creates the opening for the miracle of the word. Our obedience to the direction of God's word. God's preaching to you. Look at your neighbor and say, God's talking to you. God's talking to me. My obedience to the direction of God's word. My obedience to the direction of God's word creates the opening for the miracle of the word. We must flat out do the word. I'm going to get into a portion of this maybe about Mary at the wedding of Cain and talking to the the servants gathered around Jesus in John chapter 2. Whatever he says to you, do it. Nike thought they came up with that phrase, just do it. Nike didn't come up with that. And that's all the way back in the gospel of John. Whatever he says, just do it. It will create an opening for the blessings and the miracles that God is wanting to do in your life. I mean, you don't have to get very far into God's Word and realize that it's obedience that creates the opening for some God stuff in our life. I mean, from Genesis all the way through to Revelations, obedience, 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 obedience. But we want to do it our way. Or we want to do it grandma's way or grandpa's way. Amen. Help me preach, Hunter. My goodness. Even the babies are getting it this morning. They're trying to tell us adults, hello. Hello. Thank you, Hunter. It's just the inspiration I needed. Amen. That's good stuff. I mean, the miracles that God has waiting on his church, us, and our lives. And, and we get out to, you know, we start off on this race, you know, and, and man, we're all gung-ho, and man, we just want to be fully obedient, and, and then we just go on for a while, and we get to going and get to going, and, 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 and then we just kind of begin to drift. I'll tell you what, you don't have to get away from the truth very much, and you're on a downward spiral. I mean, it'll absolutely destroy your life 
We've got to stay within the boundaries of God's Word and just do it. And God will be faithful. God cannot deny who He is. He's faithful. Him and His Word is one. He is one with His Word. You can't separate the Word. You, You don't put the Word over here and put God. They're one. It's impossible for God to lie to me, and it's impossible for God to lie to you. All of God's promises are yes and amen through and by Christ Jesus. And that's right. Give him praise. That's all right. We've got time to praise him. He's worthy. And, and, and sometimes, I want to tell you what. If, you, if you're being blessed by God and all of a sudden you see those blessings shut off, you might take a look and evaluate your life. Do an inventory of what's going on. Make sure that your life is lining up with the Word of God. Amen. we got to do it His way. When we do it His way, we get His results. When we do it our way, we get our results. Boy, if Abraham and Sarah could go back in the time machine, they would do things different. And the seed of Abraham is still suffering from that mistake. It's obedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice. I want to tell you what, what, what happened here this morning, what's happening here this morning, it's being birthed out of obedience. God led this church on a 21-day fast. We're, 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 in a, we're in it a week. We started the first day. Some people, some people are doing a partial fast. Some people are doing a full fast. Uh, fast, fast, fast. I'm going to have to get an interpreter up here. Um, some people are doing a full fast, and some people are doing a Daniel fast. But, but I, I encourage it, and I brought out, I preached, ministered a sermon. And there again, it's on the website if you want to go back and draw from it and get involved with this uh, body as we continue the fast. But, you know, I was talking with, with my son and with my wife about the various fasting that's being done, you know, and about how God was leading. And I tried to put it out ahead of time so that we could seek God and pray. Because what God might call me to do in a fast, he may not call you to do. Or what he might call you to do, he might not call another one in the body to do. So it's real important that, we are be, that we're obedient. And we've, we've opened the church every night during this fast from 7 to 8. The church is open. Of course, on Wednesday night, it's open for uh, service, our midweek service. Sunday night, we're not. But Monday through Saturday from 7 to 8, we're just meeting here and we're just praying. And we've got people coming, maybe stay for a while and then they have to leave. And, and then some maybe are praying at their home. But it's, it's about obedience. It's about doing what God has placed in our heart and being faithful to that. And it's out of this obedience that, that, that it's being birthed. Now, if God had not called us to a 21-day fast, then this would have still happened this morning. But had God called us to a 21-day fast and we said, no, God, I really don't feel like fasting right now. You know, uh, I, I'm you know just coming through the holidays and, and man, you know, I, it's just going to be too hard, you know, uh, uh, so, so not at this time we would not have experienced what we experienced in God here in this house this morning. But it is through obedience. See, God is faithful. 
when he speaks to us and when we are obedient to that, and he speaks through, us, through our word or he speaks impressions upon our heart in our prayer time, when we are obedient, God is going to be faithful because God can't lie. And he's going to be faithful to his word. When he says, I'm going to bless that, when he says he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, he's going to reward those who diligently seek him. Amen. So the key is obedience. Somebody give the Lord praise in this house today. Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap this up here with, with the last point. I'm fixing to close. And uh, what does that mean when a Pentecostal preacher says he's fixing to close? Absolutely nothing. Some of them have been known to close 40 and 50 times. Seriously, I'm, 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 I'm bringing this uh, to a close, and uh, I want to let you be able to take this with you and just devour it. I encourage you to get into the story, to get into the scriptures, and if you're taking notes, to, to get into this. And Are, are we uh, recording this this morning? Uh, it'll be available on our website if you want to go back and, and just let God saturate it. I know that I've kind of uh, hurried through this, and, and I haven't taken the time to... Uh, uh, to get deeper into some of this stuff, uh, but I, 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 I feel confident that I've obeyed the Lord this morning. Uh, I feel peace about what I'm giving you, and I know that God will perfect it in each and every heart. So you let God uh, finish doing what he wants to do in your life through this word. But in closing, John eleven forty one and 42. John eleven forty one and 42. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Uh, this was the Lord's prayer that day. And I want you to listen to another prayer Jesus prayed in Luke 22 and 42. Father, if you were willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done and not mine. How many knows that Jesus is our example? We would do good to study the life of Jesus. And especially what I'm bringing out here is his prayer life. You see, Jesus lays out a pattern that we can draw from that will guide us in our prayers here on earth. And I want to tell you the truth. I, I know myself and I know that we are all very, very much alike. None of us is very different. But we can be impatient, selfish, and just plain out ignorant with our prayers to God. You, you ever thought about that or ever noticed that? Just selfish. Selfish. Me, 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 me. Give me, give me, give me, give me. I want, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. And impatient. God, I'm coming to you today to ask something that I wanted yesterday. Please, Lord. I mean, you know, God's, God's, God's got a sense of humor. You know, if you know anything about the Bible, you can find that humor. Um, I mean, when God makes a donkey talk, something's kind of up with that. Uh, so he, he's got a sense of humor, okay? God talks about laughing, you know. Um, so 
at times, I just kind of think, and, and I may be wrong, and if I am, you know, Lord forgive me, but uh, I think maybe sometimes it just gets a little tickled at our prayers. Like, man, you don't know what you're asking for. If I gave you that, you'd be up here with me tomorrow. Or worse, you'd be down there with him. But we get selfish. We get impatient. We, we just pray out of ignorance so many times. When God's, his, when Jesus is our example and he laid out a format, he laid out a pattern. In the, in, when he taught his disciples to pray, there's, there's a beautiful pattern of prayer there. But, and, and you know when we do that, we can just make our lives miserable. You know, we, we, just, we can just really make our lives miserable. Uh, something that we might think about working on is our relationship with God. Is our relationship with God. Because, see, we have a father and child relationship like Jesus had with his father. When we have that, it'll change the way we pray. It will change. It will absolutely. When we really get a deep, intimate relationship with God, our heavenly father, like Jesus had, when you become one, then it's going to change the way that you pray. And uh, I want to shift gears a little bit right here. John 2, 3, and 5. John, Gospel according to St. John, chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. The wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now, we kind of have a unique situation here because what we've got is we've got a double parent-child relationship. Some of you caught that, a, a double parent-child relationship. This is his earthly mama talking to him, but he's also got a greater relationship with his heavenly father a greater relationship with his earthly parent than he does with, I mean, with his heavenly parent than he does with his earthly parent. So it's a unique situation. And uh, Mary has just basically offered up a prayer request to Jesus. And Jesus says, my time isn't come yet. But because of the relationship, Mary's able to walk away and lead the request with God because of her relationship, she knows he'll do the right thing. She knows he'll do the right thing. Sometimes a prayer offered within an intimate relationship gets an early, gets an early answer. It wasn't his time. Nevertheless, he answered the request. It wasn't his time, but nevertheless, he answered the request. And she didn't beg him. She looked at the servants and said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Why was she able to do it? Because of her intimate relationship with Jesus Christ on her heavenly father's side. She knew he would do the right thing absolutely knew it our prayers will change they'll go from selfish and ignorant prayers 
they will go from impatient prayers to I know, God, you're going to do the right thing. So whatever your will is and however long this valley is and however deep it is, God, I trust you. Mm. Back to Lazarus, John 11, 20 through through 25, John 11, 22 through 25. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise again when everyone else at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. It looks like the Lord is four days late, but the resurrection is about to show up early. The right relationship with our heavenly father will change our perspective concerning prayer. Somebody offer up a praise to the Lord in this house. Amen.